0: and Chase throw on the run, and it is caught! Touchdown!
1: Keenan Allen, what a grab! That's what I'm talking about! Hey, that's what I'm talking about! That's the warrior spirit right there, boy! Huge sack by Joey Bosa! 90-yard touchdown! 90-yard touchdown! It's going to be picked off at the
2: 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knight Caught! Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest throw I've ever seen.
1: Yes, hello and welcome to the Thunder Down Under. Chargers football. Whoa. What? What does this music mean? You know what it means. The NFL is back, baby. It is time to play the game. The games finally matter. It means something. Finally, we see our superstars in the powder blue. Season 2022 kicking off with the Chargers Raiders. Redemption. Gentlemen, we can't believe it. Raise your beer to family, trust, respect. FTR. That's the stuff. Andy, your host here, joined by Jack and Alistair. Gentlemen, welcome. Welcome all to the Thunderdown Under Chargers podcast. Before I got rudely interrupted there. Alistair, I'll make you wait. Jack. You first. On a 1 to 10 scale, level of excitement and anticipation for the season after what has felt like the longest off-season in recent memory?
0: It has just, this week, I have just gone to about, on a scale of 1 to 10, doesn't even measure it, I'm 100, I'm 1,000, I'm so excited. Everything is just better when there's meaningful football on our screens. And we don't have to wait too long because the Rams and the Bills play in a couple of hours. And boy, I cannot wait. Let's go, Charger fans. Let's go.
1: Off the scale is what I expected. And Alistair, what are you doing to mediate yourself from a pre-epism heading into week one? And what are your excitement levels like? I'm sucking my thumb
2: like a big, bald baby. That's like all I can do. I'm just counting down the hours. I have taken multiple days off annual leave. And uh, Andy, you and I are getting away to mum and dad's holiday house to enjoy a few fine drinks and watch just a bulk of NFL football on what will be Monday here in Melbourne. Jack, of course, we'd love him to be with us as well. If he could fly across, he would, but the costs of domestic flights in Australia are criminal at the minute. So uh, no doubt he'll join us at some stage to watch with us, but can't wait, mate.
1: Yeah, unfortunately a bridge too far this time. But yeah, looking forward to um, just really getting stuck into week one and um, really treating ourselves. Uh, Thanks for joining me again, gents. Um, You know, we're really... We're eagerly hovering to get into this show. Um, A quick shout-out, as always, to our wonderful listeners. Thank you. Uh, If you're new and joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, Please, guys, just do us a quick favour and hit that like and subscribe buttons for our channel. It really helps us reaching out to more awesome fans like you guys and would-be listeners, Um, and we really appreciate it. All right. Today, all-important week one preview, doing our darndest to entertain you all with Insipid Reinders info and insight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what we might expect to see from the Raiders, uh, what we might expect to see from Brandon Staley and the Justin Herbert-led Chargers, we'll give our own predictions on the season as a whole, um, team-wise and individuals. We do like our predictions, and we might even sneak in a game of knife or spoon right at the end. I'll get us going with some news out of Chargers camp this week. Um, well, there's been a fair bit since we we were last on the uh, on the air together, guys. Um, after the fifty man. 53-man roster was released. The Chargers made a swift change on the waiver wire, bringing in Super Bowl-winning running back Sonny Michel. Spoke about that, replacing Larry Roundtree. Um, glowing praise uh, this week from Coach Staley and Sebastian Joseph Day and a lot of the guys about just the kind of guy he is and you know what he brings to this group. Um, we've also then signed Larry Roundtree and veteran tight end Richard Rogers as the 15th and 16th members and filling up our practice squad. Uh, Richard Rogers, if you're not familiar was the res- uh the receiver catching Aaron Rogers, hail Mary, the walk off from a million yards out as time expired. Actually, I uh, watched that live with Packers, Dan, as we'll refer to him in a pub in the city at midday. And the place went off. Um, very fun. Sort of little highlight for him. Um, I don't know if I sort of mentioned it uh, just on that last week when we were speaking about the 53-man roster in the practice squad, but, yeah, the depth at tight end was a bit of a concern. So I'll throw it out there. I quite like this addition. Um, it's practice squad after all. Uh, we've also named our eight-team captains. On the offensive side, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Corey Lindsley, Austin Eckler, and on the defensive side, Dewan James, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, and Sebastian Joseph Day. Ooh. congratulations to the eight of them. Staley really holds the, the mantle in high regard. So um, having the C on their, their jersey means a lot to him. And Will Doesn't he ever, Andy?
2: He was no, pumped really? about that. Yeah.
1: Big time. Um, and it's fantastic to have two guys in their first year with the team in that group. But, I mean, one at least speaks, to him, speaks for himself and the other one is nothing but a, a great presence at least, if not a great footballer. Um last piece I'll say so on Staley's press conference, the man loves his tennis. He's been, you know, really supporting <laughs> Serena Williams. Um, it was nice to hear him to be a strong supporter of our own lad, uh, Nick Kyrgios. Uh, recognizes talent. I was like, oh, you're not going to say anything about his demeanor, but um, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty fun. Um, he loves
0: Rafa Nadal too. Loves the Spaniard. Loves the yeah.
1: big before I get into uh, the charges, sort of injury wire, anything you guys want to sort of add or touch on um, out of the camp? Jack, um, what have you sort of seen that stands out in the, the last sort of week leading up to yeah, this game? Yeah,
0: you've covered a lot of it, mate. Uh, but the one thing that I have been enjoying watching is Sebastian Joseph's day, some kind of uh, interview show where he's out in the wild and he's um, talking to Justin Herbert, he's talking to Joey Bosa, he's talking to Khalil Mack. Funnily enough, Khalil Mack actually can play a bit of a tune on the guitar, which I thought was really quite fascinating. Uh, I haven't had a chance to watch the, uh, the the one with Brandon Staley. I think they released that today. Um, and, of course, the wonderful, amazing Chargers social media team, the all-in episode two came out, and that's just gotten me a little bit more pumped. Uh, I'm going to put it out there. That's better than Hard Knocks, to be honest. Mm. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderfully uh, produced show. So I'm super excited. You covered everything, Andy. Anything from you, Al?
2: Yeah, I mean, in, on those big guys, that just a standard guitar or dreadnought. Looks like a ukulele they're <laughs> when they're trying to play them. Um, I'll be monitoring the rest of this week and who we decide to declare as active and inactive in this game. I find that quite fascinating because under the new rules, you can call two players up from the practice squad in a given week. There are 48 active spots. So that means every week, five people you say aren't going to make it. I know know Tao837 from Bolts from the Blue wrote an interesting piece uh, and fan posts kind of hypothesising which position groups would you leave out. Would you leave out a running back like a Josh Kelly or um, maybe one of the defensive tackles like Tito Abonia doesn't suit up at all. So there will be that choice to not have five players suit up and I'm really interested to see uh, how we decide to structure it and I dare say special teams might be somewhat of a determining factor in who gets the call. So I can't wait to see what happens.
1: Nice. All right, we'll move along to the just the injury roundup. Uh, looks like JC Jackson's out of his uh, moon boot, so he's trending well following his ankle procedure. He's running. Um, I don't. He did not participate in practice, um, and is I guess doubtful. But God, Coach Daly was pretty smug right from the get go. Um, the way that he answered the first two questions was just. Um, Oh, I can't find the word for it, but just very keeping his cards close to his vest, and um, it's day to day. So there, I guess there's hope. He he's yeah. just, he's just, he just seemed like the cheekiest cat alive. His eyes know? were giving stuff away, weren't they? Weren't Yeah, he was doing funny business. That's for it's, sure. I
0: like that. He's he's trying to do the head coach stick kind of like you know. Yeah,
1: he's not a boring guy.
0: Nah, he's not boring. He's having a bit of fun, and I think the press really appreciate that.
1: Yeah, uh, in. The running back room, Isaiah Spiller, is back practicing, so training well to return. Um, I don't know whether he'll suit up this week or maybe week two. Donald Parham, the other absentee from practice, I guess still a bit hamstrung. So I don't know, do either of you. Al, do you know anything further about where he's at? It seemed to take uh, beat reporters
2: a little by surprise that he just popped up out of nowhere because it wasn't expected. So I hope that doesn't indicate a setback. Uh, because if it does, we, we may well call up one of those spots from the practice squad, right? Because we only yeah. have the three on our active roster. If Parham can't go, maybe that's why they signed Richard Rogers. Maybe it's not going to be Moy who yeah. comes up. You're going to see a guy who hasn't even trained with the team. Uh, time will tell.
1: Can't
2: it's a bit of a should... it's a cheeky little um, disappointing story, actually, because we I think we're all excited on what Donald Parham could bring, especially against a team like the Raiders. He's a bit of a match up nightmare. So yeah. let's um, cross our fingers that. You know, he, he recovers by game time.
1: Absolutely. Always wish the best health for him. All right. Now, the boring stuff. The Las Vegas standpoint, in terms of their preseason, we covered a fair bit of their um, their roster and, and and changes in our opponent series. Uh, you can check that out in our catalogue. Um, this offseason has been a big one for him uh, coaching overhauls, massive free agent signings, and a series of high end draft picks no longer being on the team once again. Um, look, Josh McDaniels and Dave Z- uh, Ziegler have stood by the best performances of the their preseason. Uh, they won all four games that they were in, um, and they've loaded up the back, uh, the running back room on their fifty-three, keeping five guys, including a, a fullback. Um, and I think that's going to be a big part of uh, Josh McDaniels' offense. Um, they averaged one hundred and thirty-two yards a game across their four preseason appearances. And on the defensive side of the ball, in terms of roster, they've got eleven players on the defensive line, five DEs and uh, six defensive tackles. Um, anything you guys want to add on? Just notes about. I mean, we'll get really stuck into Josh McDaniels and how he's going to potentially use this this personnel. But anything in particular about their preseason? Um,
2: I'll jump in um, to start this one. I mean, McDaniels' press conference was was interesting. He went on for 18 to 20 minutes. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of respect there for Brandon Staley. Turns out Brandon Staley coached with Josh McDaniel's brother in Chicago. And Josh McDaniel's dad is a very famous high school coach in Ohio. Brandon Staley's from Ohio. So there is somewhat of a connection there and, and a mutual respect. And I'm just quietly a little impressed with what those two, McDaniels and Ziegler, have done to start their tenure. McDaniels was saying there are 37 or so new players on this team hmm. who've never lined up in a Raiders uniform. And a few things that stood out in, our pre-season, in their preseason games was disciplines, not many penalties. It looked like people knew what they were doing. They ran the ball efficiently, like you were saying, Andy. Um, They've got this defensive end to Sean Bauer, who had four sacks in three games, so I'd never really heard of him. Of course, he used to be a New England Patriot a couple of years ago. So I think they're trending in the right direction, and we'll break it down shortly, but quietly impressed with the start that Josh and the new GM have made over there for the much-hated Raiders.
1: Yeah. Jack, what do you reckon? What are you seeing out of their preseason and how this all these changes are going to come together?
0: Well, I think you've both covered pretty much everything. So, if you don't mind, Eddie, I'm just going to get straight into the Raiders' strengths and our Chargers' strengths. If we take my job away from me, yeah, quite of a nice uh, transition. Talking about Ziegler and McDaniel's, uh, I, th- I think the easy, you know, I got given this, um, you know, a couple of days ago to have a look at, and um, my job was to look at the Raiders' strengths and the Chargers' strengths or threats. I think the easy answer here is yes. talk about the running back room, this is for the Raiders. The stacked running back room averaging 132 yards over four preseason games. It's easy to talk about Adams, Waller, Carr, Crosby, Jones, all those guys. But I actually found a really good fan post on uh, a Raiders thread. And I I can't remember the name of the publisher. So if you're out there listening, um, FTR, but thank you for this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So the way I looked at it is that... So gracious of you, Jack. um, I'm a gracious man. Uh, new coaches, new scheme, which means there's not a lot of tape on on what they might be doing. So it does make it hard to Good game take. plan for. I think for uh, Brandon Staley, but if you wind back the clock to when we played the Patriots last year, I think McDaniel's absolutely torched us with a couple of scheme things that he did, and um, a couple of things that stood out to me. Uh, the first one is attacking the safety with uh, post routes. You know, using using Darren Waller in there. You know, the Staley system um you know, is, is part of the quarter's family of coverage and, and has a too high look. Um, they, they're sort of deploying, teams across the NFL deploy different elements um, to stop the high-powered offences of today. So, But the one weakness of that, and it's not just um, the Chargers' defence, but it's also a lot of teams that play the too high, is at times it can leave the post safety um, on an island, post snap, um, when he adjusts to the original disguise, and, and I think it, I think that's where they're going to be attacking us first and foremost. So uh, Derwin James is going to have his work cut out for him. The next one that I thought was quite of interesting is using bunch sets. Um, I think you know bunch sets can create uh, a lot of mismatches uh, for a defence uh, based on the setup of the formation. Uh, our defenders have to be disciplined. When I say us, I mean the charges have to um, be disciplined and understand their zone or, or the man scheme. Uh, but that those bunch sets, and I get really worried because you've got. Devonte in there um, can lead to those really explosive plays and and McDaniel's put that on film a lot actually during Week 8 mm. versus the Chargers last year. And mm. the last one I'll say before I throw to you Alistair um, is is creating the one-on-one matchups. Um, I think again discipline comes into it from a Chargers standpoint. Um, the need for players who can who can play press coverage is critical. I think that's why the Chargers went and got Jackson and um, we, we we got him but with him hobbled I think that McDaniels is going to use a couple of different um, formations to try and create those one-on-ones. We know that Michael Davis has had a really good time on Devontae in the past, but we can't hope that that's going to happen again. So those are the three things that I thought were quite interesting schematically rather than purely just looking at players. Uh, Mm. Alistair, anything from you?
2: Isn't this interesting? You're the schematic guy. Now I'm going to dip into Greek mythology because I've got one (laughs) note here and it says Kerberos, the monstrous three-headed watchdog of the underworld. And that's Devontae Hunter-Enfro and, of course, Darren Waller. So that's the first thing that just sticks to mind in terms of their strengths. But a, a lit, maybe a lesser-known strength is their nickel cornerback, Nate Hobbs, who was a fifth-round pick last season. And um, out of all the cornerbacks in the NFL, he only allowed 0.7 yards per coverage snap in the slot last season, which was tied fourth among all cornerbacks. Now, they're saying he might play a bit more outside this year because they've got a bit more flexibility with what they might do, but he's just a sneaky one to watch. And we we try to use Keenan as a weapon from that position, and I expect we'll do that with Josh Palmer as well. They're quite well constructed to combat that particular um, strength of ours. What I expect to see a lot of from McDaniels, other than the points you mentioned, Jack, is he runs 21 personnel a lot. So that's two running backs and one tight end. He's run that the second most in the whole NFL since 2017. So 25% of the time he's running that. So expect two running backs on the field a lot of the time. And I'm expecting a lot of screen passes, uh, bunch formations, like you said, Jack. They're going to throw a lot at us because he is a great offensive mind and he's not going to die wondering. Andy, we've stolen a lot of thunder here. Any any particular like Raiders strengths uh, you're clued in on?
1: I uh, well, I mean, I did a lot of talking at the start, so that's that's quite fine. Um, look, a big concern for me is the blaringly obvious um, the strength of the Raiders pass rush and charges. Even though Trey Pipkins has won the job, still, you know, and without a, a good blocking tight end unit, it's still um, a bit of a concern, even on Herbert's strong side. So. Um, there is that and also yeah the, the prominence of their run game and, and how much McDonald's is going to to lean on that um and although we've on paper uh we've upgraded it it's still unproven in the NFL state in the NFL arena so um yeah just they're, they're sort of as far as those things go the things for me to watch um heading in but yeah Al do you want to jump into the the Raiders weaknesses and the Chargers' threats
2: Yeah, and I think there are a couple of obvious ones, but I might just start with one and then open it up. And the obvious one to discuss, I think, is the Raiders' offensive line, which we almost have discussed ad nauseum to this point. They've lost two starters to long-term injuries or retirement since last season. So automatically in a disadvantageous position there, trying to replace Denzel Good and Brandon Parker. And then they decide to trade Alex Leatherwood. Clearly, McDaniels and his staff have said we can't handle him playing, so he's out. So you're looking for three starters or three offensive linemen. How they're going to line up. It looks like they've got Colton Miller at the left. Credit where it's due. We hate saying it, but Colton Miller is a damn good left tackle. Um, yeah. he only allowed one pressure in each of the games last season when he faced us. Just for what it's worth, PFF graded him at 84.0. He's a six foot eight left tackle. So he is their strength. He's the king of that offensive line. The rest is a crock of shit. Hot, hot pile of garbage. You've got John Simpson at left guard, Andre James at the center, both below average starters. Right guard, you couldn't even make it up. It's a guy called Lester Cotton. He sounds like a Madden yeah. creator player. He only played five <laughs> snaps last year. Raiders undrafted free agent. He's not meant to be starting. And then out of desperation, the Raiders have grabbed expatriate Jermaine Aluamanua, who used to be a right tackle for the Pats two years ago. Hasn't been playing right tackle since. But when he did play the Chargers last year for the Pats, he gave up four pressures playing guard. So that group is ripe. They're ripe for the pickings. And we have Mack, we have Bozard, They are both health, healthy. We have Van Noy, we have Morgan Fox, we have Tillery. Let's attack that weakness early and often. That's my yep. first weakness. I want to talk about. Well, what's another weakness that might stand out to one of you two, Jack? Maybe.
0: Yeah, more of a philosophical weakness here. With thirty-seven new players on the roster and in the building, you might not have the energy that uh, was clear and the the round ra- the the, uh, the round eighteen. Or sorry, I should say the what do you call it? When it's a is it round? No, is it called rounds? They call it rounds. Oh, week. week in AFL week. There we go. Thank you. Uh, week eighteen games. So I think the charges are going to come ready to play. You could arguably say that the Chargers do have a brand new set of uh, sort of minds in the building too, but McDaniels wasn't there. The the coaches weren't there. I think that we're going to come out and be absolutely all over them uh, in terms of mental preparation and physicality and the sort of assertiveness. So we're going to have to really, I think, take that and make sure we complete in the red zone and get 10, 14 points ahead very quickly. Um, and then I think we're going to see Derek Carr curl up into a little ball, hopefully, with that horrendous pass rush. That, uh, horrendous? I like I say, it. Not horrendous, but uh, stupendous for us. Uh, pass rush the <laughs> charges. Great. Andy,
1: what say you? Um, yeah, look, I'm I'm really excited to see uh third year in the league, Justin Herbert, and this receiving core against the Raiders secondary. Um, and that sort of adds to your getting up that sort of early lead, which... Not really, haven't been that well known for getting getting off to an early lead. So it'd be good to see us start in the right direction. Al, uh, I'll throw to you, mate, keys to victory yeah, and your prediction keys. for the game. Yeah,
2: sure. Uh, keys to victory. I think a few ones that might not spring out. Zion Johnson in his first start lined up against Bilal Nichols, who is a completely adequate pass rusher, was a good player for the Bears. If that doesn't work and suddenly the rookie's struggling and you've got pressure up the middle, that's one of the keys for the Raiders finding a way to upset our offense. Because their defense, under their coordinator Patrick Graham, we saw what he did with the Giants last year. He plays a lot of hybrid coverages on the back end. He doesn't bring a lot of blitzes or twists and stunts up front. He's really relying on changing it up at the back. And we ate him up last year. If you will remember, listeners, when we played the Giants, Herbert went mental, basically. Three touchdowns, even though Keenan, yep, that very famous one, Josh Mm. Palmer, and we ate up every time they played man. I think they'll play a lot more zone in this particular game, knowing that Herbert has struggled more against zone when other teams have utilised it. Uh, That's one key to victory. I'll throw to you for another one, Jack.
0: Yeah, I say in saying that, I think the Chargers and Joe Lombardi do like a bit of up-tempo play. Um, the you know the defense does have to it does put pressure on the defense when you're playing fast because they do have to communicate and make sure that their coverage isn't being out leveraged um, and I think we are pretty effective um, using tempo out especially out of heavy tight sets as well um, so with that I think you know play action is going to be a big one uh, the drop back game and I think just getting into those flat routes and wheel routes with Eckler Spiller Kelly that's gonna be something that they're gonna try and do a lot of if they're happy to sit back in zone, well we're just either gonna run it down your throat or we're gonna it's gonna be death by a thousand cuts. So I think that's yeah. a, that's that's another way that yeah. Staley, um Staley and Lombardi are gonna be game planning.
1: Yeah. Yeah, look, I think um I think my keys to victory are just really fundamental. Um you know, just bring heaps of pressure onto Derek Carr. Uh, force him to play the ball earlier and not allow the the bigger routes to routes to develop um, and get them off the field you know we charges defense has spent way too much time on the field um, in recent years so win the possession clock win the turnover battle even if uh, JC Jackson Mr int isn't playing um, just and and tackle lay your damn tackles uh, al your prediction oh. We're very meta, by the way. We've just gone
2: through a full breakdown. We haven't talked about Devontae, really. We have not talked about Trey Pipkins at right tackle on Crosby and Chandler Jones. We're talking I about, you know,
1: a little I bit. um sort of did. we
2: um, yeah, it to be,
1: death. <laughs> we have
2: beaten it to death. But, look, I think we've got a fairly good chance to slow them down for two reasons. Derek Carr last year against Brandon Staley's defences wasn't very good. He averaged five and a half yards per attempt didn't throw for 200 yards in either game. Yep. And same with Mac Jones. When we face the Patriots, we shut down that offense at least through the air. So I'm expecting a lot of cover four, a lot of cover six, bracketing Devontae's side and trying to confuse the quarterbacks with pre- and post-snap disguise. So I'm going to be confident it's the first game of the season. It would be an ultimate killjoy for me to sit here and say that the Raiders are going to win. So the Chargers are going to get up. They're going to win 31 points to 24. Oh,
0: oh you're joking because uh, that is exactly the score that I had, uh, <laughs> 31-24. I think there's going to be less scoring because there's going to be more, there's going to be some conservatism because, uh, mm. you know, it's week one as well. I think the offense and chances are a lot of our starters haven't played together too, so there might be a little bit of rust there. Uh, yep. I think you're right, Alistair. Another, another key that I just wanted to touch on is attack the Raiders where they're most weak. And I know that sounds really simple, but I think attacking the middle of the field, uh, attacking that secondary, getting the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands as quickly as we can with our uh, offense play design to um, nullify your Jones and your Crosbys. If that, I think that's the strongest part of their defense, let's get rid of it. Let's make them have to make choices whether they're going to, whether they're going to set the edge or whether they're going to pass the rusher, I should say. So, me, 31-24. I think Herbert has a great game. Uh, he goes for 350 yards plus. I Woo! think Eckler has two touchdowns. There nice.
1: Uh, I had them 31-20, to uh, so pretty close to the two. But, yeah, the Chargers taking the, the win. Um, yeah, look, I mean, you're right. We didn't really speak about the fact that if JC Jackson doesn't suit up, Uh, we've got Devontae Adams and our cornerbacks. Maybe that's the part of the nightmare that this fairy tale just doesn't need right now. Um, I'm sure regardless of what happens, we'll either cheer about it or moan about it uh, next week when we break down the game. So there we go. Three wins from each of us in the Raiders game. Let's move across to a little bit more league-wide stuff and get into our season predictions. So we'll start off with our... Jack, I'll go to you first with your NFC playoff team prediction, so the seven teams from the NFC, and just name your your divisional winners, and then we'll go to you, Al, and then we'll move on to the next, to the AFC. Jack, yep. far away.
0: Cool. Yeah, I think I have put Green Bay at the number one seed. I think they are going to win out against Chicago, Detroit, and Minnesota fairly solidly, and I think they're going to have a fairly solid record too. I've got Philly winning their uh, division. I've got the Bucks there, and I've got the Rams as well. This is where things start to get a little bit interesting, though. Then mm-hmm. I've gone Dallas, San Fran, and the Minnesota Vikings. Ooh. So the big, one there, oh. yeah, the big one there, I think, is Philly winning the division. I think Phil, there's a little bit of – I'm liking what I see from Philly. A lot of people are, I agree with uh, you. are, are quite down on them. But, geez, they've yeah. had a good offseason. They've rebuilt that that defense. Unfortunately,
1: lines, a yeah. lot of uh, unfortunately, a lot of that relies on how much Jalen Hurts has progressed because yeah, they've done yeah. they've done a lot around to get around him. So, and I'm uh, not going to get
0: Nelly and and start you know, crapping on him, but I like it and I hope they beat Dallas because I can't stand Dallas and I don't think Washington and New York are going to do too much. Mm. Uh, the only other interesting team that didn't make it for me is the Cardinals in the West. I yep. think they're done. I think there's too much off season oh, done. Done. I'm going to say that they're done. Done. Uh, I don't think they're making the playoffs, as per my yep. uh, as per my predictions. So some big calls, some bold calls, but I'm happy. I know to- no.
2: these are hard, right? Because these off season tropes can sometimes go too far. You know, Josh Allen ended the season last year hot, so everyone thinks he's going to be the best quarterback in the league. You know, uh, Kyler Murray contract stuff, video game stuff, so everyone thinks he's good, they're going to be bad. But yeah. you know what? Having said all that, Jack, me and you are on the exact same page. We have six really? of the seven teams aligned.
1: Wow, so all okay. of
2: all of the division winners, I agree. I also agree with the 49ers and the Cowboys. Where you have the Vikings, I have the New Orleans Saints. Oh, I,
0: wow. I
2: think I think their roster might just be a bit too good. And even though without Peyton, I think Jameis Winston is probably a top 20 quarterback, even though there's a lot of hate thrown his way. You can't say that he does not know how to move the ball. They have weapons, mate. They've got Michael Thomas, Chris Alave, Jarvis Landry, and a nasty mm. defense with Dennis Allen still there. And Andy Dalton as a backup if things don't go well. Yeah. So I, ha- I have the Saints getting in as a wild card team. Um, J- James
0: Winston also likes to throw the ball to the other team,
2: too. So used he moves to. it both ways. LASEC, offensive, Lasek. And defensive. He yeah, had LASEC yeah.
0: surgery. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
2: Um, maybe before I throw to you, Andy, in the NFC, just a couple of things I'm keen to look at. The Chicago Bears, like you, I'm quite captivated by them, Jack. I've got a love mm. affair for um, Matt Eberflus. I love Flus wow, so. and Fields is interesting. So I'm looking forward to watching them. And my other guy I really like is rookie quarterback Sam Howell, who was my favorite quarterback out of last year's class. And he showed enough against the Ravens with 280 yards passing and 62 yards on the ground to make me think this is a guy that the players in the locker room are going to be drawn to. And if Carson Wentz starts struggling, I think they're going to want to find out what they have behind door number two. So for once, I might be the only person in um, the uh, known world who's keen to watch the Commanders this year. I'll I'll be tracking Sam Howell and if he can steal the starting job from Carson Wentz. Andy, are you close to the two of us with your predictions for the NFC? Uh,
1: if I recall correctly, after that final little diatribe, Alistair and I have the same ones. I've got the Eagles, Packers, Bucks, and Rams, and then the yep. Cowboys, Saints, and 49ers as the Amazing. wild team. It's
2: almost like we've been friends for twenty years.
1: <coughs> oh, yeah, wow. that, that got a bit boring. I did do a little bit of a so, and you read yours out, but uh, you know, good minds think alike. Um, I great think the Cowboys not the... good minds, great yeah. minds. I think the Cowboys, yeah, I'm underselling myself a little there, dragging you two down with me. I think the Cowboys <laughs> are probably too good a team in that. Di- uh, uh, I think the Cowboys can't really not sort of vie for that wildcard spot. I think they'll, they'll push it. But I I agree with you, Jack. I think the Eagles have got a lot better. Um In the North, the sort of the thing I'm most interested to see is who will scrape themselves off the bottom of the NFC North division and will the Vikings sort of fall away. Um, I'm not with you on that, Jack. I don't think the Vikings are really a playoff-worthy team. Mm. Um, And I see improvement out of the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears. All right, Jack. Your AFC playoff team predictions.
0: Ah, oh, I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm going first, so I get all the glory. Uh, but I have, unfortunately, the Bills, and I have them going sixteen and one. Whoa! I, I wow! Have them having a very, very, very strong year, which is what all the pundits are saying. So I can't really be too unique in that. If we put our minds back to when we made season predictions, I have boldly stated that the Chargers go fifteen and two. So I have them as my second team in the AFC. Uh, conference. Then I've got the Titans. Uh, I think they're just going to be there. I think Baltimore. I think it's time for a resurgence in Baltimore. Then I have the Bengals, the Kansas City Chiefs, and I've got the Matt Ryan led Colts.
2: Whoa! Okay, the, there
0: we go. So those Love are it. my those are my playoff teams for the AFC. Some some interesting ones in there, but hey, we've got to have a bit of fun.
2: Yep, we are aligned, but for one again, Oh,
0: far out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I have the Chargers winning the division with a twelve and five record, and the Chiefs making the wildcard spot either with a twelve and five or eleven uh, and six. Mm-hmm. So I think either we win on a tie break, I think the Chiefs are going to be very good in thereabouts. Where we differ, where you have the Colts, I have the Dolphins. Yeah. So that is the one change. I have a bit of. I've bought the hype around uh, this whole McDaniel mad scientist stuff. And we'll find out. Hey, this could look really bad. It could be Teddy Bridgewater starting week five. And, you know, they can't move the ball. And But I, I think that they've got just a bit of pop to them, the Miami Dolphins. So they're my last wildcard team. How about you, Andy? Uh,
1: I've got the Bills winning in the east. The Ravens taking it out in the north. Titans in the south. Chargers winning the west. Dolphins as a wildcard team. The Bengals and the Chiefs. Pfft. We're 14 of 14, mate. Real interesting stuff. Well done. So uh, there we go. I did actually, it was a real, I just, I wasn't sure who was going to win the AFC South between the Titans and the Colts that I think the Titans might just get up. Although I could be completely wrong because, you know, the Colts were a great defense only a couple of years ago. Alright, moving right along. Uh, let's go the NFC championship prediction. Without Oh, why don't why don't you just go yeah yeah championship game predictions and then your Super Bowl, and then we can all do our Super Bowl predictions around again okay. after we've done that.
0: Okay, so you so just to confirm you want my AFC championship prediction, my NFC and then the Super Bowl prediction and winner all together?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, AFC, I have the Bills. And the Chargers. Ooh. The NFC prediction. I have the Packers and the Bucks. Okay. And then I have the Super Bowl prediction, and it's the Chargers and the Bucks. And the Chargers oh. win and send Tom Brady out <laughs> of a career. Ta-ta. <laughs> see you later. Pipe dream for me. Oh, uh, me beautiful. too. I'm also setting myself up for a massive, massive embarrassment when Tom Brady leads a game-winning drive, coming back from 18 or 17 or 14 points down in the fourth quarter to rip the heart out of Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert. Anyway, that was my prediction. I have the Chargers winning the Super Bowl. Uh, hey, blue sky thinking.
2: I like it. Wait, before it the games there. are played, you've got to put it out there, 100%. Out there. All right. Uh, NFC title game. For me, it's the Packers and the Bucks, like you, Jack. Pretty easy and pretty common um, picks. few other contenders, but I like those two. AFC title, Bills and Ravens. And I have the Chargers bowing out to the Ravens in the divisional round. The Bills are going to make the Super Bowl, and they will face the Green Bay Packers, and Aaron Rodgers will win his second Super Bowl, the Green Bay Packers. Dan, you'll be happy to hear this. We'll defeat the Buffalo Bills because wow. under the bright lights, Sean McDermott will just get a bit conservative and Josh and Allen will make one error. And I think this Packers defense could be number one in the NFL this year. Ooh. So they're my okay. predictions. Nice. Packers to win.
1: Right on. All right, my AFC Championship prediction is Bills versus Chargers. In the NFC title game, I have the Bucks versus the Rams. My Super Bowl prediction and winner is that the Buffalo Bills defeat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I have us bearing out in the title game, um, and the Bills finally break that uh hoodoo and win their first title after that awful stint in the early Son, 90s. Have we,
0: have, have we stopped being a Chargers podcast here? What the what the hell's going on? Oh, we just we're just throwing our team. Okay, all right. Fine. All right, no worries. Okay. Continue Andy. Sorry.
1: <laughs> been blowing smoke up everyone's ass for the last 13 episodes. <laughs> we're still a little just, bit stuck. I just need in, to ground yeah. you just need to ground yourself a little bit. All right, on to the individual awards. Um we've got the Let's go to the NFL MVP Jack who's winning guess. it?
0: Have a guess. guess uh, if it's a sa- Herbie,
1: Herbie loaded. Herbie loaded?
2: Herbie fully loaded. There's are we are all on MVP that one? No, no. I've got Josh Allen. Okay.
1: Just because he finished the season hot
2: doesn't mean he's going to win the MVP. You're probably right, but I'm, bu- I'm buying in. I like the weapons they've collected there. I do too. I really like that offense.
1: Uh, yes, mine is Justin Herbert. All right, Jack, your Offensive Player of the Year and your Defensive Player of the Year. Well, I've gone
0: with a bit of a left field one for Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, we didn't have this on our run sheet, but I've also gone... Isa Spiller. Of, I've, <laughs> I've also gone with the Comeback Player of the Year of Baker Mayfield, and Ooh. I've had the Offensive Player of the Year as Christian McCaffrey, because I think it's about oh. time he had a big year. I reckon he might go with a half-decent quarterback in Baker. Baker's got something to prove. Christian McCaffrey's got something to prove. They're going to be an absolute force, because we know that Baker... Struggles to push the ball down the field too mm. far. And the weapons that Carolina have probably don't allow for that too much, perhaps. So I think Christian McCaffrey is going to be catching yeah, 10 balls they a stink. Game, And he's going 2,000 yards. And he's the offensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year, T.J. Watt. You heard it here okay. first. T. Two T. J. In, T. in a row, T. back to
2: back. Yeah. All right, offensive player of the year for me, I've gone with Jonathan Taylor. He's going to come very close to hitting the 2K oh, yeah. on the ground. And defensive player of the year, I've gone with... Joey's younger brother, Nick, in San Francisco. I'm going to predict 17 or 18 sacks, and he's my prediction for defensive. He deserves to win one. He's a freak.
1: Yeah. Well, I've stuck with Justin Herbert winning both Offensive Player of the Year as well. Um, And as far as Defensive Player of the Year, I've gone Micah Parsons. From the Cowboys. Mm. Wow, okay. Second.
0: Great player. pick. Alright. Yeah. Great pick. Yeah. Awesome.
1: So moving on to the rookie awards, just the offensive and defensive rookies of the year. Jack.
0: I've gone with a running back that I really liked out of college, and that's Damian Pierce for the offensive Ooh. rookie of the year. And I couldn't go past Hutchinson. I think he's gonna have a stellar year just with the amount of hype around him. Uh Thibodeau, I haven't really heard too much. Hutchinson's been on hard knocks. It's, there's a lot of buzz. I think he's a great dude from what I see. I reckon he's going to be
2: a player, man. I walking a, walking a back a few of those pre-draft takes, Jack, I remember in our <laughs> private thread a bit of Hutchinson. Too tall, can't rush, hey, one-dimensional. Hey, hey.
0: Everyone can have a bit of Jekyll and Hyde sometimes. You know you know me.
2: Uh, uh, mate. So uh, yeah, Damian Pierce and the worst. Uh,
0: Hutchinson winning defensive and offensive.
2: Okay. I like those. I like those a lot. They both were close for me as well. Um, I went with Chris Olave as the offensive rookie. I think just because of the way Jameis plays, he's got a chance to collect a lot of yardage in his first season. And on the defense, I've gone with Ahmad Sals Gardner.
0: I was, I was going to pick him too. But...
2: So if he's, yeah, he looks like he could be a superstar, that guy. Maybe straight away. It's a very hard position to play well in in your rookie year. So that's, that's I why I, I thought very rarely does a corner come out and start well.
0: Yeah, that's but, what I was thinking. It's so hard for a corner, especially just with the, the speed of the game. And he looks like he needs to put on a bit of size. So it would be interesting to see how he goes up against some of those more physical receivers.
2: It's a good point. I think he's the exception to break the rule. So there, are my two. say you,
1: Andy? My Offensive Rookie of the Year is Jets' first-round pick running back, Brees Hall. Love it. Ooh. And like you, Jack, my Defensive Rookie of the Year is Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, Source Gardner, close second. But thing for me is a lot of the talk has been, uh hasn't had a ball thrown near him. And that's not a stat that you can really, like, measure. Um, I don't think you... You need to be in the past breakups, INTs, that kind of area. Measurable stats. Um, cornerbacks are a hard one to be mm-hmm. good at straight away uh, with the shift from college to NFL. So that's why I went with Hutchison, where I think he will get... Um, he looks ready. He'll get immediate. Um, immediate value out of him. So, cool. All right. If there are... Well, Al, do you want to come back Player of the Year? Do you want to jump on that at all?
2: I haven't given that too much thought, actually. I, but Baker Mayfield's the obvious one, I think. What's he coming back from? Would be the the question. Exactly. You know, Philip Philip Rivers won that one time. He just had a year where he threw a few picks, and then he was like, "What? Okay, I'll take a comeback player from the year." Um, maybe listeners tell us in the comments what you think about our predictions. Leave us some of your own. Who's going to win all of these uh, bright awards at the end of the season?
1: Yeah, fight us on it. Um, I think Christian McCaffrey. Um. I really want to see a, a great year out of him, um, and I really hope that uh, he stays through it. But yeah, look, we'll we'll just see. But if there's if there's one I'd, I'd bank on, it'd be it'd be him. I think. Oh, I'd Lose. love I'd love to see it off Saquon. To be honest, I oh, yeah. would
2: love to see him fulfill some potential. I'm so down on the Giants. I think that could be picking right at oh, the top yeah. again. But Big trouble. That would be nice to see for yeah. me.
1: No, that's fair enough. All right. Well, I think without any further ado, we should get into one of our favourite segments: knife or spoon. He's got a
0: knife. A knife? Call that a knife? This is a knife. That's a knife.
1: It's not a knife. That's a
0: spoon. (laughs) All right. All right. You (laughs) win. I see you've played knifey spoony before.
1: All right, Jack, mate. Do you want to get us started with your first piece of cutlery?
0: Okay, I do, and I have got some background music that I'm going to play whilst I read, and this, these are prepared, I, I, I'm an English teacher, I do love to write, so this is a, going to take about a one minute thirty, I'm going to take you on a bit of a journey, so here's some uh, background music for, for me to go. <laughs> Too many people having that familiar old-timer phrase emblazoned on a knife's handle instantly indicates it's made with quality and precision. The knife that I'm giving out here is called an old-timer 8OT Senior Stockman. The old-timer brand by Schrade is truly a knife institution and the old-timer Senior Stockman is the most popular old-timer out there. The creators of the old-timer line wanted to make knives that harken back to the days of their granddad working the fields, panning for gold or taking shits in a thunderbox. Despite the old-fashioned look and feel of the knife, or perhaps due to that fact, the AOT is an explosively popular and respected knife by casual and hardcore knife users.
1: And who am I giving
0: this to? I'm giving it to Aaron Rodgers. We haven't heard a lot about him. It wasn't an upset off-season with hullabaloo about not being happy, not being involved with decision-making, blah, blah, blah. People will be doubting him as Adams, his trusty steed has left him. He's like the old Wild West gunfighter, and everyone thinks he's washed up and always drunk on sour mash whiskey. But when it comes down to a duel or it's time for him to become the hero, a la Rooster, Cogburn, and John Wayne style, he'll do his thing and do it well. Bang bang! Arguably, he has the best defense he's ever had, and he'll have something to prove. He thought his arch nemesis in Old Man Tom was gone. Capiche, six feet under, but he's back. He's in the conference. And it's all looming toward the old showdown in the town street of the NFL. Old time gunslinger versus old timer, old timer. Watch out when the clock bow tolls 3pm. The older generation can still bring the fireworks to the NFC. Aaron
2: Rodgers, I'm looking forward to it. Woo! Mate, I'm fired up. I want to watch yeah. some John Wayne. I want to flick on some Tarantino. That's <laughs> um, unbelievable. Right, right.
1: All right.
2: Um tough act to follow that one. I don't have any music, but I will parrot something that was referred to, to the show and I'm gonna hand out a bevel knife. A bevel knife, which is a triple edged cutting tool designed for customising the bevel of gripping holes in a bowling ball. <laughs> what the hell? And that bevel knife is going to rookie Texan running back Damian Pierce. Cause that man is a human bowling ball with legs. And with his 86 yards on 11 rushing attempts, I cannot wait to watch this guy just go boom, 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 all the way into the end zone with his
1: little bevel knife onwards and upwards, sir. Damian Pierce. Very good. I'll break the positive trend and go with a spoon. I'm awarding a caddy spoon to New York Giants free agent bust, Kenny Golladay. This <laughs> variety of spoon stems from the 19th century. It's a silver spoon with a wide bowl, typically used by the rich to measure out dry tea leaves, as it was an expensive commodity at the time. Kenny Golladay signed a f- four-year, $72 million contract at the end of the 2020 season, leaving Detroit, his first year with the Giants saw his average yards per game drop from 65.3 to, at Detroit no less, to 37.2 at the dwindling Giants. He failed to register a touchdown for the entire season, and his catch rate dropped 10% from his career average. Dayball has made it quite clear in his press conferences following, well, all the all the games, that Kenny Golladay is in a real competition for his job. Um, with him just notching just one catch for six yards throughout his entire preseason showing. And he looks old and slow as balls in training highlights. So, you're a thief. Get out of here. Jack!
0: <laughs> right. I've still I've got some music again. So, here we go. I'm giving out a Leatherman wave. What is a Leatherman wave? Well, what is Leatherman? Leatherman pushed its way onto the list by quietly slipping into pockets of people around the world. The Swiss Army knife was the first iconic multi-tool, but Leatherman is quickly making an argument that it's on par with, if not better, than the Victorinox range of knives. As Leatherman's most popular model, the Wave has set itself apart from the pack by offering 17 different tools made of durable 420HC steel. The best part of it is that the Leatherman Wave locks when closed, making it easy to fit right into the pocket. And the reason why I'm giving the Leatherman Wave and who I'm giving it to is I'm giving it to none other than Justin frickin' Herbert. Herbert has continuity in the system for the first time in his pro and college career ever. Like a Leatherman, the Chargers team is built around him with weapons all over the shop. We haven't seen him be used as a runner much last year. Perhaps we will again. Just another weapon. It seems there is balance not only in physical ability, but in the philosophical and mental capabilities of not only Justin Herbert, but all across the offense. Just like the Leatherman, find the right tool for the right job at the right time, and it all fits into your pocket with Justin Herbert. Screw, cut, chop, measure, carve, hang, fish, scrape, split, open, you name it, he's got it. Come on, Lombardi, (laughs) utilize your Leatherman like a good outdoorsman and let it rip.
2: Far out, mate. Can we swap, Andy? I can't keep following Jack with these absolute <laughs> rippers he's prepared. Ah,
1: looks looks like someone had a bit of time on their hands just making themselves audio bites for all of their own ones. That's, very That's good. phenomenal. Um, I'm
2: going I'm to go... It. And I love
1: that song too. Yeah. It's great much. song,
2: yeah. Uh, I'll throw it to you, Andy. Should I go with a negative or a positive? What would you like to hear from me? Uh,
1: negative. Okay.
2: I'm giving out an ear spoon. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> spoons, a small spoon used to remove earwax, more common before the marketing of cotton-tipped buds. I'm giving mine to Jerry Jones and Dallas Cowboy because they need to unclog their ears and start to listen to what people are saying about how you should draft in the NFL in the modern day. They cut Leo Collins with no backup plan in place. Then, lo and behold, Tyron Smith suffers an avulsion fracture, out for the season. Now they've got their rookie, Tyler Smith, having to play left tackle. Whoops. Yes, they've signed Jason Peters, but I don't know how that's going to go. They brought in barely any external free agents, mainly kept things the same. They let Randy Gregory leave at the 11th hour to the Denver Broncos after Cowboys Twitter announced that he's staying in Dallas and signing, all because of some measly contract language. Jerry! You're an octogenarian. You're going to die soon. You've got to take the bull by the horns. They trade Amari Cooper for a fifth-round
1: pick. Yeah. They miss on Von Miller. Man, it's poor. Ca- it was poor cap management. That's why Amari Cooper had to fire Sale out. That's why uh, Lael Collins got cut. That's why Connor Williams was left to walk in free agency. And, yeah, they yeah. signed Jason Peters, but it's a bit wishy-washy. I agree with you.
2: I don't know, so Jerry, got to get that earbud. Wax out your ears with that ear spoon.
1: Not, not a bad Texan. All right, I'll go a, I'll go a <laughs> not knife. Not good. Except not a bad. <laughs> all right, a knife, a regal steak knife, handcrafted wooden handle with a pressed carbon steel blade just for cutting through all that delightful marbled wagyu steak you can afford with such a piece of weaponry. Built to stand the test of time, the Chargers' recent history of drafting offensive linemen is what this is. Who this uh, knife is being awarded to? I, I don't go too far, but we're looking at Rashawn Slater and Zion Johnson shaping up as home run hits, uh, and roster making like good upside pass blocking phenom Jamari Solia um, in the sixth round. It's it's just really good to see that uh, apart from the offensive linemen. We might have seen not as much as we would have wanted out of the um, the other draft picks uh, from from this year. Uh, Spiller got injured. Dean Leonard had a bit of chaos. Uh, so it's it's good. Hopefully, as I said, it stands the test of time, and we can continue this trend of drafting good offensive linemen. Not always necessarily in the first round, but um, picking good ones. I like uh, it. Not a not a massively surprising sort of knife, but I think it was essential to be pointed out. Credit where it's due. Jack, on to I you. I
0: agree. Okay, again, I've got some uh, some music here. I've gone to back to your heritage, Alistair. A bit of Italy for you. Okay. Ah, Mille grazie,
2: mille oh, grazie. Oh, I hope Kyle oh, blows bene, up at you for that.
0: Molte bene. Here we go. <laughs> I'm giving out a spaghetti spoon. I'm very pumped, and I, fi- I found it very hard to be negative, so these are kind of positive. But this is a spaghetti spoon. Spaghetti spoons have large tines for ladling cooked spaghetti, and sometimes a hole in the middle to measure uncooked spaghetti. I'm right. giving this spaghetti spoon to Tuatanga Tanga, Bit of a mixing of cultures here, but hey, we're <laughs> Australia. That's what we do. You might think that I'm giving this spoon to Tua because many people say he's got a noodle arm and we all know spaghetti is a noodle perhaps but i think tour and you alluded to it earlier alistair and the dolphins have been in the kitchen this off season the salt is in the water the pasta has been hand rolled into beautiful supple mouth watering dough and the sauce has been on the stove for the whole off season fresh ingredients are in the building and being added to the dish to bring new flavor to south beach McDaniels has been acting like a pasta granny in the kitchen, caring for Tua's abilities and personality, cuddling him in new schemes and flavours. This is going to be a homemade delight coming from down south. The smell has been slowly wafting under my nose all season. I think that by season then, Tua will be spanking all those pundits who have thought he was a nobody on the bottom with his spaghetti spoon. Bang! Ow! Ooh! He's going to have all the pasta to himself. He'll be cooking with his sous chefs, Kisiki and Tyreek, in the hard rock kitchen. McDaniels will be hugging (laughs) and laying big, wet kisses on all those and sundry like a pasta granny as they come close to the playoffs. And I can't wait to watch Miami this season. Yum! I cannot
2: wait. Fantastic. uh, Bellissimo. Fantastic, mate. The one correction, instead of pasta granny, it's, of course, a pasta nonna. Nonna. And I say hello to my 90-year-old nonna who's uh, not listening on the airwaves, deaf as a doorknob. Needs the ear
1: spoon. God bless you. Needs the
2: ear spoon. Needs more than that, I tell you. All right. Um, (laughs) I will go with a scalpel for my second and final knife. And I'm going to give a a scalpel to Carl Shanahan and John Lynch for well, the way that they, with surgical precision, have managed to secure some insurance against the event that Trey Lance does not play well. And of course, I'm referring to the Jimmy G restructured contract that now keeps him in the building with its no trade clause. Heard a lot of talk this week about, you know, that's a terrible thing. It's distracting for the locker room. Jimmy G's much loved, so what happens if Trey Lance doesn't start quickly? They'll be calling for Jimmy G to replace him. All that stuff happens anyway if the starter doesn't play well. The fact is this team has a roster that can contend. Trey Lance and Jimmy G apparently get on very well. They like each other in the building. And hey, the San Francisco 49ers in 1988 had two quarterbacks called Joe Montana and Steve Young who mm-hmm. alternated starts until Montana took the reins and the team went 10-6 and six and beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl. So give me a spell with all of this. You know, it's going to be a locker room destruction. Dis- there's nothing worse than having a Justin Herbert under centre, but then the season falls to ruin because there's no one backing him up. Jimmy mm-hmm. G, hell of a good backup. So yeah. I award a scalpel to the 49ers front
1: office. Did partner. piss him off, though. Did piss Trey Lance off. He, he was pretty disgruntled that they kept him around. But prove yourself, man. You didn't do that, really. I agree. Come on. Okay, my spoon. This one is called a cutty. The name is a term uh, that the Irish, Scots, and Brits used, uh, meaning short and stubby, not really unlike me. Uh, (laughs) These spoons are quite an old utensil um, over time, becoming nothing more than historical curiosity. I award said spoon to the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. I might be cheekily calling this early, but I hadn't considered how fastidious Josh McDaniels uh, is until I watched his press conference in the lead up to the week, the week one matchup. I got a real sense of a guy that leaves no stone unturned and a guy whose brain is always moving. A stark difference to the goofball we saw we saw Coach Denver uh, a decade ago, really. Um, while I'm not yet convinced everything's going to work and he'll succeed with the Raiders uh, at least this year. He has been incredibly successful over the course of uh, 20 years, especially well with New England, often touted as one of the best offensive minds in the league. What the Patriots organization has done by replacing him with former defensive coordinator Matt Patricia and uh, ex-special teams guru Joe Judge absolutely boggles the mind. I don't know what Darth Hoodie is doing, but uh, this is a very interesting move from this championship establishment especially considering it's now a system, it's now a new system with a second-year quarterback. Uh, and I don't know if you guys were watching, I think, the Patriots-Raiders game, but it was a washing machine, really, for Mac Jones. Yep. Will we finally see a decline in Patriots football? Um, I, hope, I hope so. I hope you're listening, Milan. <laughs> Coming for you. Shout out. That was uh, Jack. All right.
0: My last one. Again, I have some music for this one. Here we go. I am giving out a marrow spoon. 18th century silver, often made with silver, I should say, with a long, thin bowl suitable for removing marrow from the bone. And I'm giving this to Aaron Donald. This is another positive one, though. If this is the season that Aaron Donald begins to decline then I happily salute to the man who I've watched destroy opposition offenses now for many years. It is very rare that you have a player on the defensive side of the ball that makes you tune in and watch to make it must-see football. He is exactly that. The reason why marrow spoon? Well, because whilst a lot of pundits and media might suggest he's on the wrong side of 30, he's won his Super Bowl ring, he's flirted with retirement in the offseason, blah, 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 but blah, blah. He will still be causing headaches as his power rusher snaps linemen's fingers back with the veracity of a caged lion. Fibulas and tibias so are always a danger of snapping and protruding out of lycra when he's coming at QB's full ball. And whilst he might not be as dominant this year, I still think he will be, His performances will still be a rich delight to enjoy, if only now occasionally, just like Bone Marrow. Aaron Donald, thank you, sir.
2: Bravo. I love that. I love it. One more from me. It's Raiders Week, after all. Right, listeners? It's Raiders Week. I'm handing out a strewn. A strewn. Pardon? A strewn. A strewn is a straw with a spoon on the end for eating slushies, slurpees. We all know a no, strewn. Yeah. You know I'm handing my strewn to? Derek fucking Carr. Because <laughs> <laughs> after Bozer and Mac had done with this asshole, this Sunday, they're going to snap his tibula, they're going to crush his ribs, and he's going to be eating his dinner through a strewn for the next... Six two, ten
1: ten weeks, FTR, fuckers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. I well think you
1: played. made up you made up a bone then, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate the um, <laughs> the tibular. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> tibular, tibula, mate. Tibula. It's a it's a composite. Yeah, yeah. gross perpendicular to your nose. All right, for my last piece of cutlery, <laughs> I will present this bandolier of throwing knives to the NFL schedulers for what they've dished up on the week one menu. If we couldn't be more excited... <laughs> if we couldn't be more excited about football coming back, you've got Week 18 Redemption in Chargers Raiders. Knife to the bullseye. Sophomore Battle Deluxe, Fields vs. Lance. Another knife to the bullseye. Uh, in the latter's first proper game is QB1, no, de- uh, no less, as you guys have just said. Uh, the Unlimited Bowl, Denver vs. Seattle. Yeah, Baker yeah. Bowl, pa- Browns, Browns, Panthers, Mahomes versus Murray, and the season kicks off with arguably two of the best teams in the league, I'm the Bills good. and the Rams. If that doesn't get you salivating like the waft of bacon on a hungover Sunday morning frying on the grill, then you, all you need to do is ask yourself: Is this really the sport for you? I can't bloody wait! I cannot wait! Let's go! Rig it on! All right, it so- on, maybe. Guys, unless there's... Jack, I know you've got more, more tracks laid down. Not nah, all out of cutlery. Well, guys, thanks very much for joining us again. Like we've said a million times, family trust, respect, FTR. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time, hopefully to break down an awesome win in week one.
0: Let's go, Boltz. Come on, uh,
1: baby. Bolt up, baby. Woo!
2: Enjoy the game.
1: Turning, got it!